Well, we're now going to hear God's word read to us by uh, Scott Laidlaw. Thanks, Scott. Morning, Lakers. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Scott, and it's my pleasure to be reading you the word of God this morning. I'm going to read from two passages in the book of Revelation. I'm going to start from 19 verses 1 to 9, and then I'm going to go to 21 verses 1 to 5. I'll start at 19. After this, I heard what sounded like a roar of great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen. Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, Write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Now flick across the page, or swipe, whatever you want to do. Uh, chapter 21, verses 1 to 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will draw with them. They be his people, and God himself will be with them, and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Thank you, Scott. Uh, and what uh, beautiful passages uh, we have to look at today. So keep your Bibles open to Revelation 19. Uh, we'll be spending uh, more time there in just a moment. Uh, but during the week, I put up a Facebook post and uh, I was quite overwhelmed by the response. Uh, I asked the question, did anyone have any wedding photos to share so that I could show them today? Uh, and yeah, a, a quite an overwhelming response came through. So many beautiful weddings over the years. I uh, hope you can recognise some of the faces there. Uh, and uh, so some of these photos were, you know, weddings at the lakes or other churches and locations. And just reminded me what a joy it is to be part of a wedding, you know, as the husband and wife, bride and groom, gaze into each other's eyes. And one of the beautiful things about weddings is that they are a foretaste 
of what awaits each one of us in the future. You see, we are looking forward to the great wedding day at the end of history. Uh, That's where all creation, that's where the whole human history is heading. It started with a wedding, but at the end of history, Revelation 19, 21, 22, unpacks for us the great climactic moment, uh, the wedding uh, of Jesus and the church. And uh, Jesus wants us to know three things this morning. Firstly, how precious we are as his bride, the church. He wants us to be ready, to be joyful with expectation and anticipation, and to be preparing ourselves. And he also wants us to know that the invitation goes out to all. All are invited to this special day. So I want to pick up on the first first of the three points, and that is the bride is precious to Jesus. It's a beautiful moment when the bride arrives at the church. Uh, it's like there's this uh, you know, a chatter of excitement, and then the bride arrives and everyone goes quiet, uh, and everyone holds their breath. You know, and then and the first, the, the ladies, the bridesmaids come through, and then the bride. Uh, and it's just, it's just a wonderful moment. Uh, and she walks down the aisle with her dad towards the teary-eyed groom. Revelation 19 describes the wedding that all creation has been waiting for. It's like the whole world, all creation has been holding its breath, knowing this moment has been coming, but overwhelmed all the same. And there the groom appears, Jesus Christ, in all his splendor, and, and, and we gasp. And then the bride appears, the bride who is the church of God, and again there is that gasp of, wow, how beautiful is she? And it's kind of a surprise because we are the church And yet on that day, we will be so radiant and beautiful. Sometimes the Roman Catholic Church talks about um, nuns as the brides of Christ. And that's because they've devoted themselves to a life of serving Jesus. But that's not how the, the Bible talks about the bride of Christ. In the Bible, there is one bride of Christ, and that is the church. And the Lakes Church is, is like a, a subset. It's a, it's a real church, but it's a subset of a much bigger gathering from every nation and race and tribe, uh, from every skin colour, from male and female, young and old. Uh, and together, all those who have put their trust in Jesus, we are gathered into that church which will be the bride of Christ, revealed in all our glorious splendor on that day. Uh, So Christianity at its heart is not about individuals. Yes, it's about an individual response to the good news of Jesus. But as we respond individually, so we are drawn into uh, a unity of the church, 
to be the bride of Christ. And Jesus is called the Lamb of God. He's called the Lamb of God because like the sacrificial lambs in the Old Testament, he laid down his life uh, as a sacrifice for our sins. Through his blood, we are cleansed. He died as a substitute in our place. And it's interesting, if you notice the accounts of the resurrection, when Jesus rises again, there are still the scars on his hands and his side and his feet. Uh, And that's because he will always be known into eternity as the lamb who was slain, our hero. And the very reason we are there into eternity in the new creation is because the lamb laid down his life as a sacrifice for us. He is our hero, our saviour. And the truth is, everyone who believes in Jesus is forgiven, washed clean, and embraced into his people, his church, his bride. I want you to have a look at some of these men adoring their brides. Uh, It's one of the lovely things about weddings. Now listen to Ephesians chapter 5, where it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Can you see how precious you are to Jesus? Can you see how precious we are to Jesus? How much he loves you. He loves you so much that he endured the cross. He gave up his life for you. That is a courageous love, a costly love. He chose the path of humiliation and shame and ultimately death for you and for me, for the church. This afternoon, we've got the NRL grand final, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's it's uh, a bit of a highlight of the sporting year for me. Uh, and you see this bunch of heroic men uh, you know, going to great lengths, enduring great pain, just so strong, uh, so skillful. I'll never forget the 2014 grand final. Uh, Sam Burgess was playing for the Rabbitohs and he, um, he fractured his eye socket or his cheekbone in the first tackle of the game. And then he played on, uh, played on the whole 80 minutes of the game uh, with great skill with great courage, fighting through the pain, so that not only did his team win, but he was awarded the Clive Churchill Medal, uh, the man of the match. Uh, And everyone looked at this man and said, what an incredible hero. Uh, He was a hero on the field, but just this past week... Excuse me. Just this past week, Sam Burgess has admitted. Just, I'm just going to take a sip. Excuse me. All right. Okay. Let's let's try again. So just this week, 
Just this week, Sam Burgess has admitted that whilst he was a hero on the field, he was not a hero in his personal life where it matters the most. See, once he married his beautiful bride, Phoebe, he also had an affair with another woman. And when it was discovered, it completely destroyed the trust, the intimacy, uh, the, the affection of his marriage relationship, and he's now divorced and full of regrets. Such a courageous hero on the field, but where it mattered most, uh, he has regret and failure. And it's a story that is repeated again and again. But Jesus is the opposite. He fills us with confidence because his courageous love was directed towards us, his bride. When he deliberately chose the way of the cross, when he turned his face towards Jerusalem, and even as his friends abandoned him, he pressed on step by step, knowing what was awaiting him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He gave up his life for us. And that means that while we wait that great while we await that great wedding day in the future, we wait with confidence because we know that that the groom, our husband, he loves us deeply. He has proven that beyond doubt. And when he promises he will never leave us or forsake us, we can trust him in that. And he promises that Nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from his love. And so although we might look at ourselves and feel insecure as we approach that great day in the future, when we look at Jesus, he fills us with confidence, security to press forward with joy. So what do we do while we wait for the day? Well, in the lead up to any wedding... The bride makes herself ready. The dress, the makeup, the hair. Now listen, have a look at Revelation 19 and listen to the shout in heaven. So it's Revelation chapter 19, verse 6. Uh, and it's kind of the last song in Revelation. Hallelujah! For the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride, she has made herself ready. Now, how do we, as the bride of Christ, the church, how do we make ourselves ready for that day? Well, firstly, there is the wedding dress. And it picks up that in verse 8, where it says, Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Our wedding dress is given to us by Jesus. So come back to Ephesians 5. Look at it again. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. 
when Jesus laid down his life as a sacrifice for our sins, his blood cleanses us. And as we put our trust in the word of promise that comes in the gospel message, we are washed clean uh, and he makes us holy in his sight so that on that day we can be confident that there will be no wrinkle or blemish, that we will be wearing the righteousness of Jesus on that day. It's expressed beautifully in the, in the old hymn that we used to sing, Jesus, your blood and righteousness. Just look at the words. Jesus, your blood and righteousness, my beauty are, my glorious dress. Mid flaming worlds in these arrayed, with joy shall I lift up my head. See, what is my beauty or what is our beauty as the church of God? It is Jesus' blood and righteousness. He is what qualifies us to be holy and blameless on that last day. And so amidst the flaming worlds, the the storms of life, with joy we can lift up our head because we know that we are clothed in the righteousness of God. Of the Lord Jesus. But I want you to notice Revelation 19, verse 8 again, because look at what it says fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. And then in brackets it says, fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's people. Yes, we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, but Jesus also transforms us. So that not only does he make us holy, but he makes us so that we can now live holy lives, embrace a life of righteousness. There is an expectation that God's people will shine a light to the glory of God in this dark world. And that's our prayer for the Lakes Church, uh, that as we come together As we love one another, remember Jesus said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's our hope and prayer for our church, that we will shine as a light in this dark world to show the glory of our Saviour Jesus, Uh, just to show how great he is, just to show how we can forgive one another and love one another and be a blessing to this community in which we've been placed. Um, All those things are are part of how we, as the bride of Christ, get ready for the day in the future. We are clothed with the righteousness of Christ, and now we live out lives that embrace that righteousness. So there's the first thing, the wedding dress. But secondly, how we get ready is by waiting expectantly. Remember the parable that Jesus told of 10 virgins uh, and they were waiting for a wedding banquet. They were waiting for the, uh, the groom to arrive and then they would go with the groom to the wedding and be part of the celebration. But five of those virgins, those young women, didn't have enough olive oil for their lamps. Uh, you might say they failed to have extra virgin olive oil. Right. Oh, that's a joke. Thank you, Thomas. A couple laughed even. All right. So 
they didn't have enough oil. And so when the groom arrived, they were scurrying, looking for oil, and they missed the moment. Uh, and the, bride, the, the groom headed off to the wedding. The wise virgins went with him, uh, but the foolish ones missed out because they were not waiting expectantly. And that theme is a big theme of the New Testament. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Or Titus chapter 2, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. We wait as a people, as Jesus' people, eager to do what is good. Would you say that that's a good description of your life, that your life right now is a life of waiting for the Lord Jesus to come again? Getting ready means getting dressed. It means waiting expectantly and remaining faithful to Jesus. This is what Paul was concerned about in 2 Corinthians, where he says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the snake's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. See, Paul's concern, as he preached the gospel to the church of Corinth, it was like he was lining them up for that wedding day in the future to Jesus. He promised them to Jesus. He arranged the marriage between them and Jesus. But his fear was that before that wedding day, their hearts might be led astray by false teaching. And the false teaching Paul had in mind in Corinth was, was a worldly teaching. Like it looked like Christianity, but it was ashamed of the suffering of Christianity. It offered prosperity and impressive Christianity now, but it took its eyes off Jesus and what, we, what still awaits us in the future. And Paul, in his grief says, no, I want you to remain faithful to the true Christ that I preached, the Christ who suffered but now has entered his glory and will one day come again. Remain faithful to him. And fourthly, right, getting dressed, waiting expectantly, remaining faithful, never losing our love for Jesus. I want you to listen to these words from Revelation chapter 2. To the church of Ephesus, you have forsaken the love you had at first. To the church of Laodicea, you are lukewarm. Uh, wouldn't that be just a devastating assessment to hear from God about our church or about our lives? That, yes, we once loved Jesus, but our love has faded and we've lost our first love. Over the years, I've married dozens and dozens of couples. And 
Weddings evoke strong emotions uh, in the lead-up, lots of anticipation. Uh, and sometimes that anticipation is expressed in, in joy, in that nervous energy and, and joyful expectation. Sometimes it expresses itself in stress and anxiety. Uh, I remember one fellow who started having panic attacks before his wedding. And it's not that he didn't love his bride. Uh, it's not that he didn't want to get married. It's just that the whole anticipation became overwhelming for him. And so we kind of coached him through it. We had a little vomit bucket under his seat so that if you know, something went wrong during the ceremony, he felt like uh, you know, he had it under control and so on. And he got married and he's been married for over 20 years now. Uh, and it's just a delight. Um, so what's my point? Uh, there are lots of emotions uh, am amongst that anticipation of a wedding but I can't remember ever conducting a wedding where the bride has been apathetic or indifferent, where the bride has kind of lost interest halfway through the engagement. You know, if that was to happen, you would be, you would be worried about that relationship, wouldn't you? You'd actually think, is it really the right thing for them to get married? Brothers and sisters... We are the bride of Christ. We are precious to him. He's proven that beyond doubt. Uh, we are beautiful in his sight, and he will make sure that on that day, we are beautiful. And what we do is we strive to embrace the righteousness that he has made in us. And our hope is pinned on that future great wedding day in the future. Right, that's, that's our destiny. But we live in a society that is only living for this life. We live amongst people whose hopes and dreams are all about now, this life. And if we don't keep lifting our hearts and our eyes to heaven, if we don't keep lifting our hearts and eyes to Jesus, then we will lose our first love. We will become lukewarm. Uh, our affection from Jesus will fade. And maybe even you've noticed that happening to you in recent weeks or months. I wonder whether for some of us that might be one of the impacts of lockdown, that it's actually dampened or lost the, we've lost the fire of our love for Jesus. And if that's the case, today is the day to decide, I'm going to address that because that's not what I want. I want to be waiting expectantly, joyfully uh, for the return of Jesus. This is why I think our gathering together is so important because together we are the bride of Christ as a community. And Jesus commands us to gather while we wait for his return. Because as we gather, we gather with people who are destined to be the bride. Uh, we gather with people who are not just living for now, 
We're living for that great day in the future. And our Sunday by Sunday gathering is like a weekly dress rehearsal where we get excited again, where we fire our love for Jesus, our saviour, our hero, our husband, uh, as we fix our eyes on him. I'm looking forward to the regathering uh, and I'm praying and hoping that that will be four weeks' time and I hope you'll join us then. But I want to come up to the final point. Uh, So we're precious to Jesus. Um, We're getting ready for that wedding day and all are invited. Uh, It's one of the things about a wedding that's tricky, isn't it? Um, How... How many invitations do you send out? It's been a tricky thing, especially during COVID. Uh, Who do you invite when there are limited spaces available? Um, i just show this photo, uh, guys. Um, It's a a beautiful photo, isn't it? This is one of our kind of mid-COVID weddings. We had it here at the ministry centre and it was out under under cover when we could have a little bit more of a crowd. But look look at the joy, the celebration there's the bride embracing her dad and, and, and the people gathered, eating, laughing. You can even see me if you look uh, carefully at the picture. But I want you to have a look at the final sentences of the Bible. So come over to Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. And it says this, The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Skip down to verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with his people. Amen. And so the Bible ends with those words. We, as the bride of Christ, we say, come Lord Jesus. Uh, The the anticipation is too much. Uh, We are weary of the engagement. Uh, We're ready for the wedding day. Come. And the Spirit joins with us in saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. And Jesus replies, I am coming soon. Just wait a little longer. But notice what we do while we wait. We send out the invitation to all who are thirsty and we say, come, come and be part of the future wedding. Come and drink the water of eternal life. Just before Jesus died, he told a parable in Matthew 22. And it was a parable about a king whose son was getting married. And it's pretty obvious, you know, it's God and it's about Jesus uh, and and the bride. Uh, But so this king sends out the invite uh, to all his subjects and they're all too busy. Uh, They've all got too much on. They're all kind of so stuck in the day-to-day life and what they think is important, that the wedding of the king and his son, so the wedding of the king's son just doesn't rate for them. 
And so they reject the invitation. So surprising. Like, what's wrong with these people? And so what the king does is he says, no, I'm going to have guests at the wedding. So I want you to send out the invitation to everybody. Go to the back streets. Uh, go far and wide and make sure you bring people to the wedding reception to join the celebration. Now, that is what is happening in our world right now. Jesus and his father have said, we want that invitation to go out to everybody, no matter how young or old, children, adults, male, female, from every race, even to the good and the bad. There are so many people invited to this reception that you think, did they really get on that list? And the answer is yes, because all are invited. Uh, and if you're listening today, we want to say to you, come. Right? If, if you don't know Jesus or if you're kind of weighing these things up, we want to say, come and discover Jesus. We're running this life series in one week's time. Come along. Uh, at the end of the service, you can just you know, take a photo of the QR code, register your interest. We believe eternal life and eternal joy is on offer. And if you're thirsty for something more, come and drink uh, and enjoy the promise and uh, the promise hope of eternal life. But you've got to find out for yourself. So please take up the offer. But for all of us as the Lakes Church, as we head into the Christmas season, we have an awesome opportunity to say to everyone in our community, our neighbours, our workmates, whoever we come across, we have this opportunity to say, come. Uh, even, even as we um, have the live stream in the next few weeks, we can still say, Come. You know, we'll be looking at the Gospel of Luke and the story of Jesus in his early ministry. Uh, let's say to our community, come and find out. And especially then as we open up, and we're hoping that it's the 31st of October, to physically regather, we want to say to anyone who would listen, come, find out, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then we've got carols uh, out on the oval there, uh, Good News Week. We've got the Life Series. So many opportunities to invite people, anyone who will come, to come and be part of the great wedding banquet. And the great news is that when someone takes up the invitation, they not only get to be part of the wedding reception, they actually get to be part of the bride. They actually discover that this is their wedding. They are the bride. This wedding's about them and their husband, the Lord Jesus, as they are gathered into God's people. Uh, the wedding banquet about us and our great hero, saviour and husband, the Lord Jesus. Uh, so will you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, when we consider the magnitude, the beauty of your creation, 
it is overwhelming. And we look at ourselves and we just think how insignificant we are. Uh, we are humbled. We are small and weak and we sin. We dishonor you. And yet, in your word, you tell us that we are precious in your sight. Not only made in your image, but you want us to be, you've destined us to be part of your people, part of the bride of Christ. Your son loved us so much that he laid down his life for us in the ultimate heroic act of courageous love. And thank you that Jesus has cleansed us from all sin. We're forgiven. Thank you that we're qualified to be part of the church, your people, that we're destined for that great day in the future to be unveiled as the glorious, beautiful bride of Christ. Father, please help us to get ready for that day, trusting Jesus. Help us to be ready by uniting together, loving one another, shining your glory in this community that you've placed us. Help us to wait eagerly, joyfully, to be faithful, to not be distracted after other loves, but that Jesus will be our first love and keep firing our love for him. May our love never fade. And please give us the opportunity to gather again really soon so that we can fuel one another, fire our love, remind, lift our eyes to you and your son uh, and things of eternity. And our Father, we pray that you will help us to be determined and resolute and persevere at sending this invitation out to all who will listen. Father, we pray that from the central coast and throughout Australia and throughout the world, you will gather many, many more people into, into your people through the blood of Jesus to be part of your eternal kingdom, uh, to be with us as the bride united to our husband on that day in the future. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.